This is Live at Five with Glenn Curry. <laughs> Army where you shoot them a mile away, you gotta get up close like this. But a bing, you blow their brains all over your nice cyber league suit. <laughs> was it over with the Germans bomb Pearl Harbor? Hell no! German? Forget it, he's rolling. <laughs> Learn it, know it, live it. Are you running a business or a charity war? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Uh, Yankees win! Pull over! No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for Live at five, live at five, live hey at five. In studio guest here with us today on a Tuesday. What is today? The 20th of uh, September. Is today the first day of uh, summer or fall? I don't know. Is it the 21st? Is it usually the next day? I can't remember. But nonetheless, in studio guest here, and uh, we will talk to Kevin Keener. The same individual, of course, that was on the hotline show today for the first part of our show. He's running for state Supreme Court. I uh, talked to him about his uh, his history. We know he's been sworn in. We read his affidavit. And we're ready for trial right now on the Live at Five show. And first of all, I know that you sound pretty good because you were right smack next to the microphone where you should be, Kevin, because you were here earlier on the Hotline Show. Welcome to the Live at Five show. I'm glad to be here. Uh, and uh, you're in Watertown for the day. You've been doing business. You and I have been talking about... Uh, Everything to, uh, pretty much in the last hour or so. You got to meet Jim Levin and Bruce Mittman. You're I did. a very you know, privileged person. I, I, I enjoyed meeting him. So you're running for state Supreme Court. Here's, the, here's my, I got to confess. Over the years, I've, I've been acclimated with so many people running from either, you know, uh, town alderman, city council person, mayor, obviously, state legislator, county legislator, assembly, uh, state senate. When it comes to judges, I'm really out in the cold with this. I really am. And today you taught me quite a bit. First of all, you're running for state Supreme, uh, Supreme Court. When people hear that, and believe me, th and you know this, there's a lot of people that say, oh, wow, you're a state senator. What, where, you, you, do you live in Washington, D.C.? A lot of people, they might be intelligent, but civics-wise, they just don't know. So when you say you're running for Supreme Court, people are like, oh, you, how, I didn't know you ran for Supreme Court. I thought you had to be appointed. You know, and go, Do you get that a lot? I do. I do. And I won't be moving to Washington, D.C. if I win. Right. The, there you go. Right. This is uh, the biggest little race in politics. It's the biggest race in the state of New York that's not a statewide race. Six counties, a million people, right. 670,000 voters. Which is why it shows up after the Senate race. After the Senate. Yeah, the governor's race, Senate race, and then your race. That's correct. Does that, does that help you as far as you know, getting votes on the ballot when, when they go in there? Or, I mean, People do believe that the down-ballot races get less votes, which is true. So the votes to the left side of your ballot right. get more votes traditionally than to the right. Isn't that something? Now, you know quite a bit about ballots. And I've noticed that because we were going over the data and, and different things and whatnot. We were going over other races. It is crucial to be at the right part of a ballot. So you're saying, like, if you're up to the left or the top, you'll get more votes. And then if you get, like, an issues vote, like on the other side, a lot of people don't even know that's there. They don't even care. And, and they get much fewer votes on uh, 
ballot initiatives, constitutional amendments, things like that, always get far less votes than the candidates on the front of the ballot. Isn't that something? And, and people don't remind them because really you're not supposed to lead the witness to like do anything. The, the average vote is supposed to know. Well, some would say the politicians want less votes on those issues. Uh, do they, why is that? Because then you're going to get votes from only the most informed people. And they're the ones that are going to they're going to outweigh the people that don't know the difference. That's See, you know, that, how do you know all this stuff? How do you know everything? Oh, I shouldn't say everything, but you know a great deal about the, about the voting process, Kevin. So I've been involved in helping candidates get elected for 23 years. Right. Yeah, I, I got involved in politics. I'm the first generation person involved in politics in my family. No mm -hmm. lawyers, no politicians. But when I graduated from law school, I immediately got involved in the process, started helping candidates and doing what I could to mm -hmm. uh, hopefully make things work a little smoother. And your, a mother, your mother was a social worker, your father was a truck driver, and you're from Binghamton. Yes. Yeah. And what brings you up to You live right now in... Well, in Syracuse. In Syracuse. Yeah. How long have you been living in Syracuse? Uh, since I graduated, well, since I moved here to go to college at Lemoyne. Okay, so you went, and so did you fall in love with the area? You're very similar to Joe Stanley because he's not from Binghamton, but he's from the other side of the border. We just talked about him. Yeah. But he, he moved, he went to SU as well, and then he stayed here. So you fell in love with Central New York after you went to Lemoyne? I fell in love with a girl at Lemoyne. Ah, that's what does it. Yeah, yeah. it does it all the time. Right. She uh, sat next to me in lab and asked to borrow my microscope. And, 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 and the rest, as they the, say, was history. The rest was history. So what, what, let me ask you, were you an undergraduate at the time, or were you in law school? Uh, I was an undergrad, yeah. You were undergrad. So, wow, that's impressive. I mean, and so you, you've been married for how long now? Uh, 22 years. 22 years. You have five children. Is that correct? That is. And uh, uh, one one girl, four boys? One boy, four uh, girls. The other, the opposite, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. So, all right, so Supreme Court, when people say, oh, wow, I didn't know. So what is a state Supreme Court judge? It's great. The name makes sense once someone explains it. Yeah. Supreme in this sense, means your jurisdiction is supreme. A Supreme mm -hmm. Court justice can hear any case in New York State. Mm -hmm. They have the broadest jurisdiction. Rather than in the context of the federal system, the Supreme Court is the highest. Mm -hmm. In New York, it's the broadest mm -hmm. court. They can hear the most stuff. Now, you told me that if, if you were to become a Supreme Court justice for New York State, that you would start off with, like, divorce cases. And I just didn't understand that, like, you know, you would just think, Judge Judy or someone else handles divorced court cases, but it, it goes up to the state Supreme Court. And why is that? It does because, uh, just like foreclosures, the rights, matrimonial rights and property rights are very important. Mm -hmm. And that's why they trust them to Supreme Court justices. They can also be handled, divorces can also be handled by family court judges if right. they're so designated. That's what I thought, family court judges, yeah. yeah. But that's only if they're designated to handle them. Uh, but if, from there, someone who's, I guess, you know, new to being a Supreme Court justice would gravitate a year or two after that to other bigger cases. What would be an example of a recent uh, Supreme Court case that has been uh, adjudicated right here in, in New York State? Well, the, uh, probably the most uh, one that got the most press was the Columbus Monument statue in Syracuse. Interesting. That was handled by a Supreme Court judge in the city of Syracuse. So is this how it's handled? It goes from like a, 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 a local district judge to the state judge, and then if they can't decide on it, how does do cases from New York State go directly to the Supreme Court? That, that's a great question. They'll only go to the United States Supreme Court if it's a federal question. Okay. And all of the state issues have to be resolved. So cases that end up, like, theoretically, the right. Columbus Monument. Right, right. Right? That needs to go all the way through the state system before a federal judge would look at it. Hmm. So 
the way things are handled, it'll be dealt with by a Supreme Court judge. Then it would go to an appellate division mm -hmm. court. That's multiple judges. Right. And then ultimately the New York Court of Appeals. Have you ever been associated with anything that went up to the, to the top of the ladder? Though? I have argued at all levels of the courts of the state of New York, all the way up to the New York Court of Appeals. Wow. And, and, and so you've been dealing with you know, Supreme Court issues, so to speak. Since the beginning, you've been do you've been you've been a lawyer now for over twenty three years. Yeah, every day, every day I handle Supreme Court cases. So th that's obviously what what in, you know really in, you know people on 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 the surface, or rather your qualifications. Wow, this guy's tailor made for this job. But the tough part is, and we discussed this, is getting the word out. There's eight people running for four seats. One is an incumbent. One is an open seat. Uh, so eight people for four seats. You know that's those are good odds, Kevin. But it's still tough to get your name out there with all the money you got to spend for all these counties. All, I mean, that's over a million people, like you said. Yeah, the, because it's so large, it's yeah. impossible on the budgets that we work within sure. to really uh, connect with the voters. We right. do what we can. We go on radio shows. We right. do our TV and uh, radio and social media advertising. And we go to a lot of chicken dinners. Sure. There's, there's a lot of chicken barbecues at volunteer fire departments that I've visited. Well, and again, most people are, don't even have, aren't acclimated with really, I mean, like how many people know Joe Pinion, for instance, is the Republican candidate running against Chuck Schumer? A lot of people don't know that, but he's running for U.S. Senator. But since Joe, uh, you know, Chuck Schumer obviously is a household name, at least to most people and whatnot, it's very difficult for him to make a standing. We wish him all the luck in the world. But that's just one example. So then you get assembly, and then you get, now we have two Republicans running for, on the general election for state assembly, which is unprecedented in itself. So sometimes, despite the fact that you're on the top of the list based on population and whatnot, a lot of people don't know what Supreme Court and the state level is, and for that matter, know the names that are there. Thus, why you're here today to talk about. So you have all the qualifications in the world, but you got to hit people over the head to, to tell them, you know, why and they should vote for you. Just got to let them know that I have the experience that they need, but more importantly, I've got the disposition that they want. So the Alabama was it Alabama or Mississippi that that uh, sent the the Roe case uh, Roe versus Wade to. Uh, uh, to Washington, to the oh, Supreme all Court. All the way up to, yep, to the w Supreme Court. W was it Mississippi or it Alabama? Was Mississippi. It was Mississippi. So, so how did, just as an example, how did that go from Mississippi to the Supreme Court? Because it was a federal question. And that's all it took? Yep. And, and was that something that was ongoing? Because I thought the timing was lousy. Again, I know, again, if you're pro-lifer, please excuse me for saying that, but there's so many things on both sides of the political coin that that was lousy time. It's almost as bad as Lindsey Graham you know, talking about things unrelated to what people are really, really looking for, particularly Republican voters, and that's you know, the safety in the streets and, of course, inflation. Now, again, we're not here to talk about that because, for the most part, judges aren't politicians. You're a lawyer. You've been studying constitutional law all of your life. As a young man, you started, you, know, you adjudicated, rather, I'm oh, sorry, you, you had your first case four months after you became a lawyer as a young man, and you've been a professor at Syracuse University teaching law. How yeah. did you do that at such a young age, coming out of Lemoyne? I actually, uh, at Syracuse, I got my appointment as an adjunct faculty member yeah. before I was even admitted to practice law. How old were you at the time? Uh, gosh, I would have been 25 years old. 25 years old. That, that's got to be young for someone, you know, doing all that, right? Yeah. And it was, it's been a blast. It's been fun. I've taught evidence, ethics, trial practice, constitutional law, uh, the psychology of police interrogation, which mm. is Big far today. away my favorite course. That's a blast. So you told me something interesting where your students, are, you know, you, you gave them a compelling reason to what the law is all about. Can you, can you explain that again? You were talking earlier on the Constitution and how it's rights for the people. So the, in order to understand our constitutional process, our legal system, you have to understand history. And, you know, the Constitution 
functionally is two lists. Mm -hmm. The first list is a list of what powers the federal government is going to have. Mm -hmm. They were making a government. Mm -hmm. And they write a list of this is what the government can do. And then they wrote a second list, the, the amendments, mm -hmm. and they said these are things that the government is not allowed to infringe on. These are rights that the government cannot touch. Mm -hmm. That's, and, and in order to understand the proper place of our Constitution, you have to understand that when it was written, they understood right. that those rights came before the government. Mm -hmm. They No rights were written in for citizens mm -hmm. into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. All they said is, when we this government we just created, right. we just want to make a list of some things that they're not allowed to do in case there's any confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you go back, the Constitution would not have been ratified. Right. It wouldn't have been our government if those ten, ten amendments weren't put in there. So this is obviously to walk away from the tyranny of King George, all the reasons why this was all set up, and yet you present this to inspiring young law students at Syracuse, and you would say that other people that don't have necessarily your political views or might you know, look at law differently would, would think differently from how you presented that to your students. Is I, that correct? I spend a lot of time telling people there's no such thing as a constitutional right. And, and how, do, how do students react to that? They're surprised. Yeah, and why, why are they surprised? Because everyone uses the term, oh, my, you know, I have a constitutional right to this or a constitutional right, right to that. Right, we always do. No. Yeah. It, the Constitution says the government can't take away a right, right. that existed before the government. Mm -hmm. uh, fascinating stuff. And your son, by the way, is, is in law school right now. No, he's a freshman at LeMoyne studying economics. Oh, economics. Well, remember, you were a chemistry major. Yes. So you went from chemistry, was it chemistry? Bi Biology and chemistry. So at what point did you realize, by the way, was your wife also a chemistry yes. major? At the same? Okay. Yes. And, and she is do doing very well herself. She's an epidemiologist and a full professor and a department chair in the SUNY system. Okay. Uh, say that word again. Ep epidemiologist. She studies diseases. Uh, okay. So Ep she stuck with her original major. Yes. Epidemic. You didn't. No, I, I made a change. Did you have to go back and take more courses and stick around for another year, or you just crammed it all in again? Nope. You go right for, I went right from uh, my biology degree and my chemistry degree right into law school. So when you go around all this huge district of ours, again, it must be a challenge. We, we laid that out earlier. Uh, it must be a challenge. Do you go door to door? I mean, how, how do you, it's almost impossible. You it's, can't do that. It's too big. You just yeah. can't. You right. go to events, right. uh, preferably events where you can speak to a large number of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just try to become familiar to the people that are out there. An important thing is uh, you deal with a lot of lawyers right. because it's common for a voter to call the lawyer they know right. and say, what judges should I be voting for? Mm -hmm. So you try to make sure you touch base with all the lawyers. Uh, my, my practice in Supreme Court is so broad. Right. I'm, I'm well known in the Syracuse area, so mm -hmm. that helps. Right. And uh, that's how you run the race. It's, uh, when did you decide you wanted to be Supreme Court uh, Justice for the state? When did you decide that, Kevin? I started working really hard for this race about two years ago. But you've, you know, again, uh, I, I see the movie Rudy, and I know you know this because, uh, you know, you know the movie Rudy. And there's a scene at the very end where they're about to, for the first time, to go out on the field, and he's not a red shirt anymore. He's going to be an actual player. So, and the one guy says, are you ready? I've been ready for this my whole life. Are you ready to be Supreme Court Justice? Or is I, this something that you've been planning on for your entire adult life? I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm ready to get in the game. So, But you have a very successful law practice. And again, some people might come to you and say, and again, I don't know where, what you make, what you, you know, when it's none of my business. But I know it's a decent chunk of change to be a Supreme Court Justice, but it might be a step down in terms of, of, of your salary. Why would you, you want to do that? We have an obligation to serve. We do. 
uh, people that are successful have an obligation to step up and be a public servant. Right. And with me, it's going to be a change of lifestyle. Uh, if successful, I want to do it because I've been blessed. My clients, I've gone in front of Supreme Court judges my whole career. They've been smart. Right. They've been attentive. Mm -hmm. They have... Uh, guarded jealously the rights of the people in front of them mm -hmm. and that's allowed my clients to have their day in court mm -hmm. i want to make sure clients have that going forward so this is nonpartisan, but although, although there are what out of the eight people four which are republicans four is, is it designed that way did they all have to go through a primary process or that's just the way that will wound up this time around? well uh judicial elections in new york are political we have political endorsements uh, i i'm endorsed by the republican party and okay. the conservative party mm -hmm. however it is different for supreme court judges in that we're not subject to primaries okay we are selected through a process called a judicial convention mm -hmm. And that is a group of, uh, you know, party members in good standing right. selected by the party chairs from each of the counties all get together on a, a particular day. Sure. And uh, the lawyers that want to be Supreme Court judges stand in front of them, make their case, mm -hmm. make the pitch as to why it should be them. And then they caucus and pick the number of candidates they have for seats this year. Four candidates for four seats from the Republicans, four candidates for four seats from the Democrats. So it could be different in any given cycle. It yes. doesn't necessarily have to. I just thought it was even. I was like, wow, that's, that's four and four, uh, one of which is an incumbent. That's Judge Mirad, who's a Democrat. He's a Democrat He's out a, of Utica. At, out of Utica. And uh, you know everyone that's essentially running because you seem to know everybody in the, in the, in the legal community. I know every candidate in this race except for one, okay. uh, and that. He, his legal career in mind, a man named John Dillon out of Utica. As far as I've known, our careers have never crossed right, paths. I right, don't right. know him. Sure. But the other, every other candidate I know and have known for years. So during the hotline show today, you talked to Jeff Graham. And Jeff, of course, you know, he's, he's posed this question before when it's appropriate. But there's something called bullet voting. In this case, obviously, uh, 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 people like myself can vote for up, up to how many? Four people. Yes. Uh, that's a lot. I mean, that, it seems kind of counterintuitive kind of because you got four openings, but you have eight people, so whichever. And you said, and of course, Jeff thought, that was, well, of course, you're going to vote just for yourself, right? And you said... Not a chance. And why is that? Why would you vote the other three votes for, for others in, in the group? Why would you do that? I have a voice. Voting is very, very important. You should never miss an election. You should never miss an opportunity to let your voice be heard. Just because I'm running doesn't change that. Hmm. I want my opinion heard right. on the other candidates. Now, interestingly, I can't tell you. Yeah. I can't tell you who I'll vote who for. Who are you going to vote for? Yeah, because judicial candidates aren't allowed to endorse other candidates. Right. So I'll be mindful and I'll be careful. I won't say who I'm voting for, right. but I'll tell you, th four votes will be cast. But it will be your constitutional right to say that you're going to vote for four people. Absolutely. You could say that. Except it's not a constitutional right. It pre-existed. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> well, that said, do you think other candidates that are running for the same race will do the same as you are? Or you really don't care? I mean, I don't know. Right. I don't know. I know this. Yeah. I know these other candidates. I know that the voters have good choices out there. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to go wrong when they vote this November. Right, right. I just hope everyone uh, thinks that I'll be a good choice. Right, right. Well, I get the, the, the challenge is, just like you said earlier, as far as law school is concerned, the challenge is, is getting into law school. Yes. Why is that? You said that earlier to Jim Levin. What, so no, it, it's, to me, it seems like, well, the studies are hard. I saw the paper chase, by the way, yep. with John Houseman. I'm sure you did, too. Un under underrated movie. We should see it more often on TV. 
But it, I, it's it, that's that's Harvard law. No, n- needless to say, but you, you got to pass the, the all these incredible uh, uh, courses, and then you got to p- pass the bar exam. But you're saying just getting into law school is tough in itself. Why is that? It is. It is very tough. Uh, they. Well, they, it's changing now. They, the LSAT, the entrance exam, mm-hmm. they might do away with that because yeah. they've been having some problems. But they set the bar very they high. They are? They were talking about getting getting. Because I heard the SATs are going out the window, too, and that's a good litmus test to determine, you know, if someone has the aptitude to get into a particular institution or is it the old dollars that get you into a... Well, that's the, one of the... I believe, yeah. uh, you'll have to fact check me on this, yeah, but yeah. I've always learned that the most profitable... School yeah. in any college is the law school. Okay. No, they don't have uh, big expenses. They have a library, right? But they don't have laboratories. Right. They That's don't true. have. Good point. They Good don't point. have infrastructure other than classrooms and a library. Right. Right. Uh, which creates a problem. And large classes too, yeah. at least on the introductory level. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. I never look at that that way. But it's true. It's just like in sports. Some sports cost more than others. Hockey being the most expensive. Football, lacrosse, and of course soccer is just a ball and shorts, and anyone can play that the, and so forth. The secret is, yeah, economics is the answer to most questions. Uh, how so? How do you say? What do you say? Even that? free speech. Yeah. Free, sp- free speech arises out of the concept of the marketplace of ideas. Okay. Which the marketplace is? You have two goods that go into the marketplace. Right. And they fight. The consumer picks which one is better for the price. Right. Right. The marketplace of ideas is there are two arguments, right. and people will select the argument that works better. Mm-hmm. That's capitalism. Gotcha. All right? Interesting. That, that explains why some ideas are sticky and have traction and others don't. I see your point, obviously, and you say, say it very, very well, but it's, I, I've said on this show many times, and I, I say it ad nauseum, I don't think people get tired of hearing it. As an example, for instance, I, I pick on the view uh, uh, hostesses like Joy Behar and Sonny Houston, who says she's an attorney and whatnot, who say we have to save our democracy, and yet they're the same ones who want to take our guns away. You know, so the, these are the people that said, oh, we have to we, we, you know, get with the world. This is what the world wants, and yet we have to save our democracy, and yet they want to you know, squelch free speech. We see that with Facebook. We see this all the time. So what are people looking at? If, if both sides of the political coin are looking at the constitutional quite differently, in my opinion. If you don't, well, first of all, the Constitution was written by Newtonian thinkers, mm-hmm. Sir Isaac Newton. All right, balance things in motion, stay in motion; things at rest, stay at rest. They wrote a document that keeps the government in balance. Hmm. Okay, balance yeah. of powers. That that's how they wrote it. That's right. what it was intended to be. That's what people, the way people were thinking back then. Since then, we've moved into a type of thinking called Darwinism. Things slowly get better over time. They evolve, they change, hmm. and you see that in constitutional scholars. Interesting. The breathing, living constitution. Hmm. But we're in a post, we're, first of all, we're way post-Newtonian thought. Now we're post-Darwinian thought. Hmm. People don't think that way any, anymore. Now intellectuals think in a Marxist or a neo-Marxist right, right, concept, right. where everything has to be viewed in the class warfare, the oppressed versus the oppressor. Right. That's why free speech doesn't make sense to people on the left, hmm. because they don't believe in capitalism. They don't think the best idea wins in a debate. Interesting. They think the strongest idea wins in a debate. Hmm. And that that's what we're dealing with, the fact that the intellectual currents in right. Western civilization have changed. Right, right. Well, there's a new word that came out, and I just talked about this yesterday, and Bill Maher brought it up on his show. He's Presentism. Pre- they, there you go. You're, you're, you're like radar. You're, you're one step ahead of me. Is that, first of all, a word? Is that in the in the dictionary? And in your opinion, I mean, it's ridiculous because, I mean, Bill Maher made, the, you know, made an example. It's like, it's like, I should have known better when I was 10 years old as opposed to uh, he might be 70 years old right now. It's, it's a, but this is what they're trying to push down our throats these days. And the criticism 
it, it's a made-up word. Yeah. But the criticism of it that scholar, yeah, right. right? That scholar, right. It, it's a very valid criticism. You can't judge the past through today's lens. Right. Exactly. You will have problems. Right. And um, you know, things didn't, ideas didn't exist mm-hmm. in the Middle Ages that are common now. Right. Right. Uh, capitalism didn't exist back then. Right. It was feudalism. Right, exactly. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. the absolute right of kings was in vogue. Everyone, there right. was no will of the people. Right, exactly. So if you look back and you're trying to understand Sumerian civilization right. and you are viewing it through the eyes of... Uh, today. Today, a, a democracy. Right. Why, why would people allow this to happen? Right. You forget, people didn't have a say. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's unfair? Is that just a, a power grab? They just... They're, you know, obviously looking to, you know, uh, in my opinion, obviously they're just kowtowing to the people that, for the most part, they don't care about. We just saw that with Martha's Vineyard last week, where they profess, like, oh, we need uh, we need more uh, people to cross into the border. This is what America's all about. But the moment they pop 50 people into their own little elite community up on an island in the, in the northeast, they go berserk. So it, it, it shows that how disingenuous they are. Real liberal arts education is the answer. How and so? Li- how liberal so? arts education is... Well-rounded. Learning real history. Right. Learning real science. Mm -hmm. Learning real English and and real foreign languages. uh, Learning real mathematics. Yeah. That's what we need. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my... Although I was a very technical field, biology and chemistry... Right, right. You know, I was also an integral honors graduate from Lemoyne College. That means I had to study religion. I had to study philosophy. I had to study history. I had to study all of that. Right. That's what we need more of. We mm-hmm. don't need people going away and getting a four-year degree in a job. Right. We need people going away and getting a four-year degree to think better, to right. think broader, right. to understand where they are, where they came from, and where they're going. Liberal arts education is the answer. I 100% the answer. And, and, you know, it's so true because you got guys like Jay Leno and, for that matter, Howard Stern and others that would literally do the man-on-the-street interviews where they ask very simple questions. Who was the 16th president? I think everyone in their own right should know that. Who was the first president of the United States? When did the Civil War take place? And they talk to, in many cases, a lot of people that claim to be educated. Many, many of them are sitting on a, on, a, on a college campus, and yet they don't know. So where have we gone? I usually refer to it as Simon and Garfunkel. Where have we gone Joe DiMaggio in as far as history and civics to the average American who doesn't really know enough as far as our government is concerned? We, as voters, need to demand better. We really do. We need better from our school boards. We need better from our legislators. We, we need and deserve better. So you're running for judge, but why aren't you running for governor? <laughs> I mean, you look like, you know, I mean, not for that. I always say this, judges aren't politicians, despite the fact they have to go through the whole process. But you kind of have the Al, a, a younger Al Gore look, by the way, not today's Al Gore look. <laughs> and you have a little bit of a, a Matt Doheny attitude as well. So I'm just saying, like, why are you doing this when you should be running for political office? Yeah, I'm a trial lawyer. <laughs> well, so a lot of a lot of <laughs> other people in law running these days in in Washington are lawyers as well. Anyway, just an observation, Kevin, because just what you said earlier and the things that you brought up uh, during the hotline show really demonstrate not just why you should be Supreme Court justice. That's obvious, but also you have a well-rounded approach to to life itself. Uh, and by the way, just for the record, you not only do you have four girls, one boy, but you also have a dog named Buffy. Buffy the dog. And what kind of dog is Buffy, just for the record? I, I never knew this term until 
Buffy came along, but yeah. she's a double doodle. A double, a double doodle. Yeah, so dad was a labradoodle and yeah. mom was a golden doodle. Oh, real? Okay, so now we're combining dogs that already have been combined. Combined with other dogs. So yes. that's like a quadradoodle. <laughs> yes. Uh, or something or other's going on. I'm, I'm sure it's a very smart, good looking dog. Whatever they did, she's the cutest dog in the country. Isn't it a shame, though? Some breeds over the years, like bulldogs, uh, they, they could barely walk up a flight of stairs by the time they're through. It's sad. Yeah. And they could barely breathe in many cases. All of, uh, all of Buffy's ancestors are retrievers. Nice. Which means she's going to make a good duck dog for me this fall. Real, so you're, you're a hunter? I'm a hunter. So what is your stance on, you know, on the gun rights and all that stuff? And is it is it true that uh, Elise Stefanik had a picture of herself the other day in what could be an illegal gun in New York State? Is that true? She, uh, there was a picture of her with a uh, pump shotgun. It looked like a 12-gauge shotgun. With, huge. With a pistol grip right. on it. Well, and the pistol grip itself is questionable I, in New York State. I, you know, I, I don't do criminal law, <laughs> but I know right. that pistol grips are one of right. the considerations under the SAFE Act. Is that like, you know, shoving it in everyone's face? I mean, when she knew that picture, it hasn't gone viral, by the way, but she's the third in line as far as the Republicans are in the House. She had to take that picture knowing that was going to create some stir, no? I, I was at a gun show the same day, just a different gun show. Really? So uh, so it, 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 I was going to write Elisa Mater, but <laughs> I didn't do it. And I really didn't do it because I felt, like, for instance, I wrote something today on a Godfather post, and I should be working here. Don't tell Jim Levin that. But I, I, there's a picture of Tom Hagen from The Godfather looking down. I know exactly what the scene. And I said it was Michael who shot Salazzo. And then three minutes later, I get a letter from a, a message from the administrator saying, we, you can't use any violence in any of your posts. What you, violence in any of our posts? I was reciting The Godfather word for word. And I got kicked off for a month. I can't go back until late October. Just ridiculous. So that's why I was going to put Elisa Mader, but no, I better not do that. That's going to stir things up. No one would have seen it, but anyway, that's how I'm working on, on uh, eggshells these no, days, unfortunately. Knowing Elise, she would have liked it. She probably would have loved it. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. Uh, what do you think about Elise's, just real quick, her, her future? I mean, you know, the, the president, former president, I should say, is planning on making a second run, although we don't know that for sure. There are some that suggest that Pence is out and Elise is in. Does that make sense to you? I think Elise Stefanik is a serious player. Yeah, she is. And her name will be considered uh, for presidential tickets for the next 20 years. Probably. Yeah, she's a very young woman, uh, very smart, needless to say. Uh, Harvard grad that came from a pocket, a huge uh, uh, area or source of liberalism, and she came out of there just like yourself to some degree. I'm not saying Lemoyne is it, is a Catholic school, is that correct? It's a Jesuit, Jesuit, Jesuit school. school. Yes. And, and then, of course, we also you're also friends with uh, Claudia Tenney, who went to uh, Colgate, and she ostracized herself for being a Trump supporter. So we're we're, we're very lucky. And you mentioned this earlier to have representatives like those two. You, I, I tell you, this this part of the state of New York is really lucky for those to have those representatives. So where where do we go to find out more about Kevin Keener? And by the way, it's not Keener, it's Keener. Despite the fact that it's spelled K-U-E-H-N-E-R, it is Kevin Keener. That's right. It's a German name trying to sound Irish. Yeah, I guess so. That's how I, I, guess that's so. How I explain Again, it. there's another scene from Godfather 2. We're going to call you, uh, whatever. All right, so... So how can we find out more? You're on Facebook. Yep. Kevin Keener for Supreme Court.com is the website. And on Facebook, just search Kevin Keener for Supreme Court. We've got lots of information out there. Uh, reach out to the campaign. Message us. And we'll be happy to engage and give you as much information as we can. Plus, you also have lawn signs that you could disperse as well. Lawn signs and the big 4 by 8 signs, your 4 by 4 signs. Right. So, and, and, you know, uh, Jeff was talking today about how lawn signs don't work anymore. I, th I, I think that's untrue. They, I think they help with name recognition. Yeah, right. And name recognition works either 
you have to have enough money to make it work. Right. Millions of dollars in a big race. It does, yeah. Or it has to be a small race. Right. A town, city, neighborhood exactly. race, county yeah. race will yeah. work. Yeah. Well, great. Kevin Keener, running for uh, – what, what district is this? The 5th? 5th Judicial District. How many are there throughout the entire state? How many districts are there? For I district? think there's 11 judicial districts. I might be wrong on that. And is the, it all based – I mean, we're number, what, four in line as far as electoral so – in terms of population. So I'm assuming we probably have more judicial districts than others. It's they, based on population. Correct. It's based on population. Every judicial district has roughly the same population in it. So Wyoming has got one judicial district that might even be shared with other square states out there. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. This is different. This is the state court system. So uh, th- this has oh, nothing so to do with other states. Oh, so other states have their different – is that true? Completely. What? Yeah, even different names. Wh- other states don't elect their judges. Really? Yeah. So, you know, for some reason or other, I thought all that was constituted in the same fashion, but it's not. This goes back to economics. And so how so? The marketplace of ideas. Different states do things differently. Yeah. And people vote with their feet. If they don't like the way one state's doing it, they're going to move to a different state. Businesses will move. And that's what we want because we want to have a, a an experiment hmm. with what works for public policy and what doesn't right. in the 13 colonies originally, now the 50 states. Sure. And the state that does it best right. will succeed. Isn't that something? And the idea is other states should imitate that. So that said, that let's just say by the year 2040, knowing the route of where New York State is going these days, and I don't mean to be pessimistic, Kevin, but uh, is there a chance that one day we might change it? We might not have Supreme Court uh, districts at all in the state uh, The current, based on economics. Right. The, the current uh, plan for the New York State court system or the proposal sure. from uh, our chief judge is to eliminate most judges. Mm-hmm. Uh, most different types of judges and make everyone Supreme Court judges. Interesting. So every judge can hear everything would wow. be the idea. Is that too many chefs in the kitchen? Uh, I like the system we have. Yeah, I, I kind of do too. And I thought it was uh, or, uh, throughout the entire country. But once again, I was mistaken and I am educated today. Kevin Keener, K-U-E-H-N-E-R for Supreme Court Judge. Kevin, thank you very much for being with us today here on the Live at Five show and on the Hotline show as well. Thank We're going to cut away for, uh, for the, our first, or actually second break of the uh, show. It's already 20 minutes before 6 o'clock. That went fast, and we'll be back right after this. If you know somebody getting married, you... 55-858-5807. Yeah. Welcome back. And it's a holy mackerel, 17 minutes before 6 o'clock. We want to thank Kevin Keener for stopping in today. Talking about his qualifications, credentials, and why he would be um, a good choice uh, for Supreme Court. I, I certainly got educated today, that's for sure. And that's good because I need that. You know, what, there's one thing I've learned in life. When you, when you hang out with smart people, you get smarter. And whether or not you're a smart, become smart, as smart as they are, which it doesn't really matter. But you, you, you're certainly, it's the same thing, just as an example, with golf. I am a marginal golfer, to say the least, but I can tell you this much. I step up my game when I play with a golfer who's much better than me because they respect the game. They respect the time allocated between shots. They don't screw around. They don't look for their ball because most often they don't lose a ball. And you have a tendency to step up to someone else's game when you're playing. Now, if, you, if you're a newcomer to it, you're going to struggle to do anything. I get that. So I, I, I have a little aptitude at the sport. So I know how to do it, uh, even though I suck. But I always play better when I'm with a golfer who knows what he or she is doing. When you don't, when, you, when you're someone who's just out there having a bunch of fun and losing balls all the time, you have a tendency to fall off as well. So it's the same thing 
that that applies to hanging out with people like like Kevin. He's just a smart guy. Uh, that if you want to learn from something about law and, and, and being a professor and what law students are looking at these days and the whole difference between economics and how, how this all started with the Sumerians and whatnot, all in a general sense today. Obviously, it would take hours and hours and hours to learn more about what, what, what level Kevin is at at this point. But you learn so much from people that are enriched or who have enriched themselves with valuable information that made them who they are. And then, therefore, you can learn a lot from them. It's just, it's just the way I think. Uh, like, for instance, <clears throat> growing up in Woodhaven, Queens, I hung out with a bunch of uh, bromars. That's what we call them, brainiacs, you know, geeks, uh, also guys who were ex- exceptionally smart. All of them did well. Uh, as far as uh, social aptitude and whatnot, they kind of look for Glenn to get some answers because I, I was a little bit more socially flexible than they were with girls and all that stuff. Uh, so that's how I got acclimated with this group of guys that, uh, you know, for the most part, I wasn't at their level uh, uh, as far as econ- uh, uh, academics were concerned. Uh, but I learned a hell of a lot from them because I just I wanted to be as smart as they were. And that was very important. Uh, if anyone wants to chime in, seven five. So thank you, Kevin Keener. Seven five five twelve forty. Don't forget the three one five area code. Three one five seven five five twelve forty. I haven't spoken to anyone yet today. Or yes, I can't remember. Did anyone call in yesterday? I know I was babbling on and on and on about something. But I can say this: the Duff man. I don't know if he's back home, but uh, last night was an historic night for not just football, but certainly for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills franchise. Uh, everything last night just felt, you know, even though in the first quarter or so there was some opening jitters, you didn't know whether or not this game would go down to the wire. You know, a lot of times you can determine where a game is going, who's going who's gonna to manufacture the most amount of points and so forth. It looked like the Titans were going to go tit for tat. Well, that didn't happen. The final score, what was it, 41-7, to national audience, Monday Night Football. They had two games last night. And what was amazing was, you know, here it was, uh, here it is rather, uh, Rich Stadium or whatever they call it uh, uh, there in Buffalo. Uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's a decent stadium for the fact that it's 50 years old, over 50 years old now. Um, and it, was, it looked beautiful last night. It was a beautiful night in western New York. The sun was just uh, setting. The place was absolutely packed. And the, 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 the field, the, the turf field looked awesome. And then they made a, a side-by-side uh, a split screen of the Buffalo game and the game in, in, uh, in Philadelphia in a much bigger, much newer stadium. And it just looked, it looked drab. Like it, the field just didn't look right. And it gets back to one thing. And I, I talked to my brother Brian about this, who's been in essentially every football stadium there is, including the old Giant Stadium and the new Giant Stadium. These new stadiums that they've been building, including the next build stadium that they will build for the Buffalo Bills, and I, I don't know to which degree, are so big and so overwhelming that the last thing that that the one thing it takes away from the from the game is the viewing experience from the fan. These stadiums that were built in the 60s and 70s and even in the 80s, but most of them were built in the 60s and 70s, were built for the fans, not for the corporate you know, boxes, not, not, not so that uh, you know, the owners can make money on, on upper, upper deck se- seats in the clouds, uh, just like at the new MetLife Stadium. That thing is a joke. It is a horrible stadium, the new MetLife Stadium it is. Yes, they could fit 82,000 people in there. Who cares? You're in the middle of a friggin' uh, swamp anyway in Jersey, and you're sitting, you can't even see the game from up there. Uh, in in what was Rich Stadium, I don't know what they call it right now. You're close to the uh, to, to the to the field. There's not much.
much space between the gridiron and the actual fa- uh, fans themselves. So you are on top of that game. And I could just imagine the vantage point that Duff and Juanita had last night. And in a very exciting game for the Buffalo Bills, their fans, their base, the city, and, of course, NFL itself. Because at this point, the way that they demonstrated on two nationally showed uh, viewed games, that's the very first game against uh, uh, the Rams and last night on Monday Night Football to a national audience, that these are, this team is the team to watch and beat. In fact, the first thing that comes to my mind, I just thought about it last night, is someone should be doing a song called The Shuffle, uh, the water t- uh, check that, the Super Bowl Shuffle, similar to the Bears in 1985. I'm not comparing the two teams by any means, but that team was the dominant team, and by the fourth week of that year, they knew that this team was special. And we know right now the Buffalo Bills are clearly bound for the, for the Super Bowl. I just hope that Josh Allen doesn't get hurt or any one of those guys. Plus, the one uh, I, I don't know if he was a receiver I forget, but he had a, a neck injury uh, by getting hit by his own man last night. It looked extremely bad extremely severe uh, and he was carted off uh, just as a precaution. But today he was released from the hospital, so he's okay. Uh, anybody want to call me? 755-1240 is the number. 755-1240 is the number. People are watching. I know that. Uh, so if you have anything to uh, ask, by all means, uh, call me now or forever hold your peace. Uh, you know, it was tragic last Friday. I don't know if anyone brought this up. Someone did text me during the break. Let me see what that's all about just to make sure. Um, Highmark Stadium. Thank you. What does Highmark stand for? Does anyone know? Uh... I don't know. Oh, we got something great planned for. Great plan for the uh, question for 8.30 meeting tomorrow. Okay, great. Unrelated to the ra- to the radio show, so I got an me- early meeting tomorrow at 8.30. So that, 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 that's a f- fine text to get during the Live at 5 show. So no one's calling in. Let's do this. Let's do a final break of the hour, and we'll be back after this. Roof-looking old people who call you back. High Mark Stadium. That's what it's called. Not Rich Stadium. Probably hasn't been Rich Stadium in a long time. High marks. It's a health company. Never heard of them. And, and by the way, I know the uh, the Carrier Dome. What was the Carrier Dome is called something else. I still don't know what it's called. I, I you know, I mean, there's businesses in town that you know, like uh, uh, what was it Barnes Auto Barn? What, what was the auto place that went out of business back in the '90s? They still call it by the same name. You know, it's just a fixture. Oh, it's those mostly Western New York. Well, those people from Western New York must be different. Because I never heard of it. Anyway, uh, got a couple of minutes left. If you want to chime in, by all means, do so. We've got someone on the line right now. Let's see if they're important. Are you important? Probably not. Uh, you're on the eye. How are you doing? Good. Um, JMA Wireless Dome. JM, you are important. I was just being facetious. Uh, JMA Wireless Dome. Hey, by the way, were you, su- were you surprised, as I was, that the, uh, the Carrier Dome wasn't filled to the maximum this past Saturday? I mean, COVID's over. Why can't they fill up that place? It's only 35000 Skeptical. Uh, is that it? I mean, I, yep. I mean you know, Bader, uh, Dino, what's it, whatever his name is, he actually gets, he gets paid more than Jim Beheim does. And they win the... F- they win the first two games in, in, in winning fashion. I mean, I know one of them was UConn. But, you know, why can't they fill up the place? I, they're skeptical that they're going to go back into the doldrums of loss in the loss column again? Um, I, I think they'll fill them as, as the season goes, I think. Um, 
when they play NC State, I think it'll get a lot fuller. Um, but and to get to the Bills Stadium, yeah. the new stadium, yeah, um, is going to hold. I just looked it up, and it's going to hold sixty thousand. They're dropping the attendance uh, or the capacity from seventy-one thousand. 870 to 60,000. So the original design was to built for 71,000 down to 60,000. Yeah, that's the the one they're in now, the Highmark Stadium is 71. Oh, that's the one now. Gotcha. So they're actually going to yeah. go in the other direction. You know, I just saw a list of all stadiums as far as capacity is concerned, and the biggest one capacity-wise is happens to be MetLife Stadium, which uh, which is a total joke. And then the next one was where the Redskins play, but they reduced that a couple of years ago by 10,000. But 60,000, that's pretty small uh, for a stadium yeah. as far as capacity. That's less than what uh, Soldier Field has, because I think right now Soldier Field is the <coughs> smallest stadium. And now, I just read the other day that uh, Lori Lightfoot there just lost her uh, effort to keep the uh, the bill, uh, check that, the Bears in, in the city of Chicago. Now they're going to build a dome in, a, in the suburbs. So, uh, whatever. So that's their issue. But nonetheless, 60,000 is pretty small. Doesn't the Cowboys Stadium hold 100? Uh, it could, uh, based on, uh, on the event. Um, but, oh, okay. yeah, f- as far as football is concerned, and, and it's funny, they had that caveat uh, in the uh, article that I read. But, yes, you're right. And then uh, the other ones that are pretty large, too. Uh, surprisingly enough, the new dome in Las Vegas is relatively small. That only holds about 60,000 people. But my point is this. Say what you want about Highmark Stadium. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a fossil as far as all the other stadiums are concerned. But the fan experience is what's getting lost with all these new stadiums. The new Yankee Stadium, I don't like it at all. I, I think it was, it's, it's an abomination from what it was. And I love looking at old footage from the old Yankee Stadium, even the one that was built in 76, which is just a rebuild of the old one from 27 or 22. And it's just like you were on the field. You were, as a fan, you could appreciate it. Now, everyone and their brother has to spend like $1,000 to be in the first 10 rows, and the real fans are pushed back into the bleacher seats. And I don't like that. And I think that's where the football stadiums are wrong, too. Just my opinion. I believe so. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. So uh, who goes to the Super Bowl this year, uh, in your opinion? I'm hoping the Bills. All right, but if you're hoping okay. the Bills. So that's on the AFC side. Who do you think on the NFC side? And I'll give you my answer. And it's a pretty cut. Uh, uh, it's a pretty uh, honest answer. And it's not the Giants. Tampa Bay, maybe. It's going to be Tampa Bay. It's got when I saw I, again. There, people were actually putting down Tom Brady. Oh, he didn't have a great effort. He threw the ball the other day. He's 45 years old. He threw the ball the other day. It had to be in the air for at least 65 yards. The man is phenomenal. Yes, he looks yeah. like a gaunt ghost right now because he's w- working out way too much. And he's got divorce issues, which I could care less about. But that man is a, the greatest of all time. And he's going to go to the Super Bowl again. It's, I, I guarantee I, it. I believe so. Yeah. And that would be good. So it would be the, uh, the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the Buffalo Bills. Where is it being played this year? Does anybody know? Is it in Vegas? Somehow or other, I think it's in it's Vegas. Arizona, isn't it? Oh, in Arizona. Okay. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm maybe not. Yeah. If, uh, if anyone knows. The Bills can't afford... The Bills can't afford to lose another Super Bowl. Four in a row is bad. Yeah, well, we can't, don't bring that up. That's a completely different team. And last last uh, night they had uh, Jim Kelly uh, acknowledge the crowd or, or get the crowd all riled up. Plus, Bruce Smith came out, which I thought was kind of weird. Bruce Smith also played for the Redskins for a, a long time. But obviously, at the end, I don't know. He went to the Hall of Fame. I don't know if he went to the Hall of Fame as a Buffalo Bill or as a Redskins. Yes. 
Did, did he go as a Buffalo Bill? I believe so. Okay, all right, that makes he, sense. He has a restaurant at Batavia Downs. Oh, he does, and that's nearby. Yeah, yeah Batavia. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, Yankees uh, playing tonight. Who are they playing? This is not a sports show, Pittsburgh. but I figured they're playing Pittsburgh. Unfortunately, they got yeah. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, what? Unfortunately, they're going to probably win. Well, you don't know that though, because look what the Mets did. They went up against the uh, the Cubs last week, and they they got the clobbered by two out of three. It can happen. It's amazing how bad teams perform well against teams that really can't afford to lose at at the final stretch. It just goes to show that once you make the major league, you're still a major league player regardless of what team you're on, good or bad. Anything can happen. Well, thank you, my friend. Always good talking to you. You know a lot. Thanks for your help uh, with all of that. Yes, you too. Uh, So there you have it. There you have it. we got about a minute left, less than a minute. No time for SG today. We didn't have any controversy. I didn't make any, you know, any remarks that could have stirred things up in SG's mind. We'll just have to save that for tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, and beyond. Uh, it's, if you notice, and I don't want to bring, the, I don't want to remind everybody, but it's getting darker, quicker these days. Much darker. It's dark outside. Hi, you're in the air, real quick. Hey, now this is Big Steve. You only call on Wednesdays, Big Steve, ladies and gentlemen. Look. Call 40 WATN. Bye-bye, don't you know? Don't you know? That's Big Steve. <laughs> Big Steve Malbuff, of course, works up there at uh, Wait Toyota. He's been there for a long, long time. And his son, if I'm not mistaken, is a star uh, football player now. I believe for Carthage or whichever in the JV. I can't remember. But he, he's looking good. AM 1240, WATN, Watertown, just like Steve did, said rather, makes us legal. Up next, CBS News, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Liberty Mutual Insurance.